Hello world, it's Alisiana from alisianasworld.com. I'm back with another episode of the Star Citizen Night Bus. I apologize in advance for the uncharacteristically long show owed to finishing out Bryony's Dilemma. Having promised the conclusion in this episode, I didn't want to break it up into a fourth installment. This week's show topics are Bar Citizen, Where It All Began, Star System Lore, A Look at Davian, and the conclusion of Bryony's Dilemma. Please sit back, relax, and I'll see you on the other side. Exiting Stasis the night bus departing in three, two, one. Bar Citizen, where it all began. Bar Citizen is something of a gaming community phenomenon in my experience. It started slowly at first, people getting together in lieu of being able to attend official events held by Cloud Imperium Games. Now, they're happening all over the place and with increasing frequency. It's a wonderful thing to connect in person with others who share your passion for a topic, gaming or otherwise. I hope it bodes well for the longevity of this community and its ability to be friendly, cooperative and inviting. So where did the official bar citizen scene begin? Well, you're about to find out. From Joran, one of the Bar Citizen site and Discord channel curators. There were some Bar Citizens here and there for a couple of years, but only in a few places were they regular. Everywhere else, there were efforts to use the forums to get people together, but they seemed to mostly fizzle out, even though there was a lot of interest. Gray-Headed Gamer and Twerk17 wanted to do a Florida Bar Citizen event together, and I was asked to take point. This turned out to be a perfect confluence of my passion for Star Citizen, event management, and team building skills. We figured Orlando would be a good central location for the state with a lot of possible places to meet. Gray-Headed Gamer started the Florida Discord channel that was used as a coordination point. I went to the forums and tracked down everyone who had ever expressed an interest in a meetup, tagged them all in a forum post with event info, possible venues, and a date that would give us enough time to organize and directed them to the Discord channel. By the time it was said and done, I tagged around 140 people from the forums and started to get many people in the Discord channel who had a lot of interest. Sophie Girl mentioned the upcoming Bar Citizen to the Star Citizen community managers who in turn lent their support. The upcoming event was featured in an ATV spotlight and community manager Tyler Whitkin attended in person. The rest is history. Momentum continued to grow up to the event and after. The rising interest encouraged us to formalize the process with a website where events could be listed and to find additional event planners. End quote. Well done, one and all. I think the Bar Citizen movement is nothing short of amazing. I haven't had the opportunity to attend one yet myself. Real life continues to conspire against me, but I certainly plan to. Hats off to all of the organizers and CIG for getting behind the movement. 
I'll include a link to the official Bar Citizen website in the show notes. Abbreviated Star System Guide for Davian According to the current ARC star map, the managing government is UEE. Its population is high, economic standing is low, and the general threat level is low. Davian is most famous for being the location of our first alien contact. In 2483, a nav jumper named Vernon Tarr took a pot shot at a Banu pilot, mistaking him for a pirate. Things were smoothed over and the first interstellar peace treaty was formed. Humans quickly flooded the system to do business with the Banu. However, as larger systems and more jump point tunnels were discovered, interest gradually moved elsewhere. Highlights for player careers and commodities. Davian is one of the few star systems that lacks both a gas giant and asteroid belts. It does, however, possess options for the following. Tourism. Davian holds claim to alluring open-air underground cities, the Aegis Dynamics Corporate Headquarters, and the Banu Friendship Museum, all of which can offer opportunities for those with an interest in the tourist trade. Cargo hauling. Davian II, also called Celestius, is considered the gateway to the Eastern Empires. Dozens of cargo space lanes crisscross the system, offering long-haul cargo transportation jobs. Trade Jada, the city that most represents the Banu culture, is in constant need of exotic resources. Short-range transport Passenger transport work may be available for small operators interested in shuttling transient workers and locals to and from Davian's various entertainment spaceports. Interstellar Travel Davian contains jump point tunnels to Ferron, Killian, Sol, Cano, and Cathcart. For more information on Davian and the Banu, check out articles on alicianasworld.com, including Ali's Star Matrix and the detailed Star System dossier page. I'll include direct links in the show notes. Bryony's Dilemma, Part 3 of 3 If you haven't listened to the previous installments, I suggest that you stop now and listen to those first. I'll include links with timestamps in the show notes. This is the conclusion of Bryony's Dilemma. Scanning through the manifest, you notice a discrepancy between the ship logs and the approved route plan. The log shows an unscheduled stop in Cathcart. Probably just an oversight, last-minute change of plans, you shrug. Around you, the team is preparing to unload cargo. Joey, a hefty bald guy in his early 30s, is hoisting himself into a mech suit. He handles the heavier crates. The suit hydraulics hiss and clank as he stretches and retracts the arms and tests rotating the hand clamps. The other two, Ron and Ayla, grab hover carts for the smaller crates. The platform vibrates under your feet as Joey lumbers toward the freelancer. You head toward Captain Shuzen. You approach the captain of the quasar, your hand extended in greeting. His meaty hand grabs yours and gives it a quick shake. 
Captain Chuzen's hair, wide sideburns, and beard are meticulously trimmed. His hands are callus-free with manicured nails. No bruises, no tats mar his skin. If not for the Quasar jumpsuit, you'd mistake him for the office type, not a space trucker. Morning, Captain. I'm Bryony. I'll be overseeing your inspection and unloading today. Captain Chuzen is staring off in the direction Roderick and Thomas went. Where's Thomas going? He usually handles my ships. Keeps it quick, simple, suits our schedule. He's helping Roderick with a new Connie coming in on LZJ-45. Adding more confidence to your voice, you continue, we'll get you done just as fast. Distractedly, Captain Shuzen replies, Sure, kid, let's get moving. Excellent. Flipping through the screens on the Inspector Moby, you continue. One thing to clear up first. You raise the Moby up so the captain can see the display. There seems to be a discrepancy between your ship log and your approved flight plan. You now have the captain's full attention, but his only reply is a grunt. You continue. It's showing an unscheduled stop in Cathcart. Ship appears to have docked at Spinward for roughly two hours. Isn't that part of your company's no-fly zone regulations? Rethinking how that might have come out, you say. Not that it's our business. We just have to perform a different kind of inspection. Shuzen's eyes narrow, and his silence makes you nervous, but you press on. Because of, you know, the kind of stuff that happens in unprotected space. Robberies, contraband. Emphasizing this isn't an uncommon situation, you say. Not a big deal on our end, just different forms, and can sometimes take a little longer but we'll still get you out of here in about the same time as usual. Captain Chuzen is staring you up and down like sizing up an opponent. You don't want to be his opponent. You just want to get his work done quickly. Beads of sweat start forming on your forehead as the silence stretches out. Are the meds you took earlier wearing off? You wipe your forehead on the back of your sleeve. Clearing your throat, you suggest... Did you have an emergency? If you can just state the reason and add it to your official logs, I can resync and get the inspection rolling. Pointing toward the ship you add, we're already starting to unload. This really isn't a big deal. Like flipping a switch, the captain gives you a wry smile and puts his arm around your shoulder and pulls you in close. You're not pleased by the gesture, which violates what you consider your personal space, but you go with it since he's talking. You see, it's like this. He continues in a conspiratorial tone. Sometimes when we're ahead of schedule, we like to take a break, blow off some steam, stretch our legs, have something better than space rations. His tone is nonchalant. We may wander off course a bit for the recreation. He steps back and waves his hand in a it's-not-a-big-deal manner and continues. No harm, no foul. You're surprised they could get away with that undetected. I mean, it's in the ship's logs. That's how you know they went to Cathcart. You scratch your head in confusion. But, Captain, that stuff shows up in the ship logs. Not by the time we go back for inspection, he laughs. 
forgot to take care of it before hitting Stanton in more of a hurry than usual. He flicks his thumb off the end of his nose and winks at you. You've got no reasonable response to that explanation like, what the hell? But he cuts you off. You get paid extra to unload ships faster? No, sir. See what I mean? Me and the boys stopped in Cathcart for a bit of a stretch. Have a real meal planet side. We don't report it cause we don't want anyone getting the idea to add more stops on our route. Beaners love more work same pay, stiffing sieves like you and me. Your throat is starting to itch. You want to cough, but Captain Shuzen is still leaning in too close. You cough right in his face. Another beat of uncomfortable silence follows as you hold back your cough and really have no idea what to say to him. It's not even your job, kid. You want the hassle of more forms to complete? You clear your throat and swallow the urge to cough. Not really. I actually haven't seen those forms before myself, kind of above my pay grade. There's an echo of resentment in your voice. Shuzen seizes on it. See what I mean? That's my point exactly. More work, same pay. That last bit got you thinking that maybe he's right. You nod your head slowly at first. You're right. A little something extra for today could have replaced what you spent on medicine this morning or get you more to help you sleep better tonight or even maybe a full meal for a change. Is that really too much to ask, you say to yourself? But you're sure nothing extra is coming your way for acting as inspector on this ship. So you shrug your shoulders and concur. Like you said, not my real job anyway. Captain Chuzen claps you on the shoulder. What's your ID, kid? I'll shoot you some creds as a thanks. It's tempting, but you know that's strictly against regulations and could cost you your job if anyone found out. Shit as it is, it's still a job, and it's the company that should be compensating you for doing the extra work. Shaking your head, you say, no, not necessary. Let me hurry up with the inspection, then I'll validate the offloaded cargo and get you on your way. Relaxed and jovial, Shuzen replies, Great, going to stretch my legs and throw back one at the G-lock. Buzz me when you're done. Sure thing, won't be long. Walking up the rear ramp into the primary cargo bay, you nod as you pass Joey. He's busy stacking three crates vertically on top of each other, and they're not lined up all that well. You wonder what he's about, until you notice that Ayla is coming up behind you. Ayla's the new kid on the block. For a quick second, it stings that no one tries to get your attention anymore. But then you remember, you don't want that kind of attention anyway. Alia is still into being who she was before she landed here, the ass end of Stanton. Well, near it anyway. From what you've heard, Hurston is even worse with its pea soup smog and shortage of living accommodations. Rumor has it, workers have resorted to sharing sleeping cubes. You pull a face at the mere thought. You turn your attention back to Joey. If that falls and gets damaged, you better have another gig lined up. Rod will have your ass. Joey laughs and raises his voice unnecessarily. I got this, kid. Gonna help you get it in, in record time. You know I'm the best mech operator we got. You watch Joey glance to the side to see if Alia is paying him any attention. She's not. 
She's stacking smaller crates over on the hover cart, scanning them as she goes. Realizing Alia isn't going to pay him any attention, Joey resumes his normal speaking voice. We do this super fast and maybe Rod will give you this zone. Stick Thomas somewhere else. While that would be music to your ears, if they officially bumped you up, why would Joey care? You ask him. Nice for me. Why do you care? Maneuvering himself down the ramp, he replies, I ain't gonna get it, and something about old Tommy boy don't sit right. Count close and see what you make of it. To yourself, you think, you're not really a fan of Thomas either. He's always hunched over like he's trying to fold in on himself. And there's something about his eyes. They're beady and always darting around like a trapped rodent. Beyond that, though, you don't know of any wrong that he's done. And what did Joey mean by that last comment? Count close. You want to ask him, but he's out of earshot now and there's no time to waste. You've got a job to do and just enough time to do it. You do a perfunctory scan of the main and secondary cargo bays, swiping the radar wand across the walls, ceiling, and floor as you go. When the door to the crew cabin swishes open, you're surprised by the cleanliness. The bunk beds inset into the walls on each side have been made, more or less. The random personal items stashed in the cubbies look fairly neat, and you're instantly jealous of the personal spectrum LCDs hung above each bed. Continuing to move forward, you notice that immediately after the sleeping berths, there is a toilet-shower combo on one side and a cramped single-counter kitchenette on the other. Standing in the middle of the aisle, you can almost touch the door to the commode and the food preparation station on the other side. That must make for some interesting situations. You thought your accommodations were small. You're not eating and shitting within arm's reach. But the truth is, you'd switch places in a heartbeat to get out of here. You continue casually scanning your surroundings. So far, the ship has a clean bill of health. You expect to encounter the same as you enter the flight deck. When the door opens onto the flight deck, you stand there for a moment, taking it all in. You remember the pride and elation of piloting your own ship. And this one is not too shabby. Not too shabby indeed. You might not like the look of the ship from the outside, but the interior is definitely winning you over. The flight deck contains four high back cushy seats, perfect for long hop travel. There's one for a pilot, co-pilot, and two additional passengers. The Quasar's been around the verse a few times, but the components show very little wear and tear. They're substantial, meaty, like an oversized breakfast. Damn, you've always got food on your mind. You check the time on your Moby, still 15 minutes to spare. You step down to the pilot's seat and survey the instrumentation. You wistfully glide your hand above the controls. Feeling a bit audacious, you slide into the pilot's seat. The dash is massive with slots for personal storage, a beverage holder, small firearms, whatever. The field of view reminds you more of a ground vehicle or passenger transport ship, but you sort of like it. The struts are thick and blocky, which makes sense for an industrial ship with a reputation of long, reliable years of service. Definitely a step up from the Aurora that you got swindled out of, leaving you stranded on Artcorp, scrapping for survival. All call comes through on your Moby. You almost jump out of your skin. You answer. 
Bryony here. It's Joey. Cargo's in the transport hangar. Great, it's going good here. I'm coming out. You exhale, time to hop back to it. You walk briskly through the cabins, your footsteps echoing in the now empty ship. You break into a jog when you hit the rear exit ramp. You head over to the transportation hangar, just a fancy name for the section of the landing pad that has a protective tarp over it and is reserved for pickups. Two ARC Corp carrier trucks are standing by to collect cargo and transport them to their next destinations. Joey, still in his mech suit, is standing by the first stack of cargo. Record time, he brags. Stacked, scanned, and trans ID. Need your SIG, and it's done. Cool, we killed it with time to spare, thanks. You mock bump fists with his mech hand. As you quickly survey the piles, you notice one crate a good distance from the rest. Rowan and Alia are approaching. You point to the lone crate. To no one in particular, you ask, why's that one all the way down there? Alia shrugs. Rowan and Joey look at each other. Joey answers, that one? The blue big box crate always goes there. Thomas has us separated out for special delivery. You screw up your face and cock your head to the side. Really? You don't recall having seen that in the past. Are you sure? Roan and Joey nod in agreement. But that seems odd. Big Box is one of the more expensive and secure storage containers from Store All. They're tough specialty crates. They have a Titan-grade metal exterior and a ribbed body skeleton and cushioned, super-enforced ablative rubber interior. They're used for special, fragile cargo, things that are really important. Still confused, you scan through the Quasar cargo manifest. Nothing but common ship components and raws. You don't see anything that would warrant the big box. Worse, you don't see the container itself listed in the inventory. So why is it here? Why is it being set aside? Noticing the consternation on your face, Roan shrugs his shoulders. Even through the padded jumpsuit you all wear, he looks starved, as if a sudden breeze would blow him off the platform. Been doing this for months, Bry. That crate from Quasar always goes there. You just never notice. You don't ever operate the mech suit or come up here to talk to Thomas while he's doing the sign-off. It's legit, according to him. He points his thumb over his shoulder. Just go with the flow. We're done with time to spare. Let's catch a quick break. Rod had a point. If you call it now, you'll beat the best unloading time for the Quasar for the quarter. But something is itching at the back of your brain. Sure, you all take a break. I'll call it in. You check your Moby. Ten minutes left to spare. You watch the team walk away, chatting amongst themselves. Joey is pulling up the rear, clomping along in the mech suit. Just before entering the employee-only habitue that's next to the platform steps, Joey turns back to you. He puts a hand up in the air with his fingers splayed open, then starts folding them down one by one. You flip your hands palms up and shrug, what? Slowly, he pops each finger back down. Then it hits you. He's counting. Oh. Oh. Your eyes bulge. When he realizes you get his meaning, he shoots you a thumbs up and you do the same in return. 
Like puzzle pieces, things fall into place, forming an uncomfortable idea. An unscheduled stop. Thomas and Captain Chuzen concerned about who was going to do the inspection. An unlisted crate set aside for special delivery. You curse under your breath. Really? I need this shit? Then again, it doesn't have to be your problem if it's been going on for months. You can sign off and it will be business as usual. You walk over to the container. It's too big to sneak past passenger security, but small enough to fly under the radar of someone carting it off from here. You pass over it with the scanner. Nothing detected. You use your temporary inspector code to fiddle with the settings, changing it to a higher grade scan. Still nothing. They could be using scan protection tech. Now the idea of taking the few extra credits Shuzen offered is sounding good. But are you that desperate? You note the chills are slowly starting to return as the meds you took this morning wear off. Still, aren't these the same kind of people that tricked you into disengaging your ship's transponder code before stealing it and dumping you here? And... If Shuzen and crew get caught, it will be too easy to trace if he's made payments to any art court personnel. That's not the kind of mess you want to get mixed up in. Sign off and mind your business. Whatever's inside is eluding detection by the equipment they gave you. Wash your hands of it. Maybe Roderick will suggest a little something be thrown your team's way for beating the standing record. Anything, any little gesture will help you out. On the Inspector Moby, you access the cargo authorization file for the Quasar. You tap it once to display the Inspector Outcomes section. You press your thumbprint in the Inspector Authorization Code slot. You inhale and hold your breath as your finger hovers over green for inspection pass. Your heart thuds in your ears as your finger is poised to tap the green button. At the last second, you slide it over and press yellow, failed, and then red, possible contraband detected. Feeling lightheaded, you back up and flop down on the nearest crate. Head in hands, you ask yourself, why, Bri, why? But you know the answer, right is right and wrong ain't. Your Moby emits the three beat signal for priority message. It's from Roderick, it reads, on my way with security, do not move. You're alone, sitting at a table in the back left corner of the G-Lock, a popular bar in Area 18. Well, the only bar, actually. You have a raggedy cap you grabbed out of the lost and found at work, pulled forward to obscure your face. The orange murky lighting helps you fade into the background of the bar. Your eyes unfocused, you stare at the holographic menu hovering above the tabletop. Music is booming, your leg is shaking, but not in time to the song that's blaring out of the speakers. Every time you hear the door swish open, you crane your neck forward looking for Naomi. Damn, she's usually punctual to a fault. Another group of loading dock workers saunter in. You look away and slouch down into your seat. Area 18 is a big place, but news like yours will travel quickly. 
Never in a million years could you have anticipated Roderick's reaction or what had ensued when he arrived with security in tow. Caught daydreaming, you're startled by the sound of someone flopping down into the seat opposite you. It's Naomi. Relief washes over you. Then you notice she's glaring at you with an oh my god look on her face. Clearly, she's heard something. No hello or preamble. What the frack happened? She asks in a hushed tone. Then she leans in, waiting for a reply. You lean back, shaking your head. So you heard. Pretty sure most have. Went to your sleeping cube, saw goons hanging outside your door, then remembered we were meeting here. Well, that sucks. Not much in there worth having, but still. She looks like she wants to shake you silly. Well, what the hell happened? You inhale. I'm actually starting to think that I'm a bit of a drama magnet, you say with a wry smile. That puts a small one on her face too. She crosses her arms, leans back into the booth. You just might be, she agrees. You probably already know that I got assigned as temporary inspector on J-42. Things were going good, finished early, except for two hiccups. The ship had an unplanned stop on Cathcart and an unlisted container. New ship? New crew? Nope, regulars. I initially fell for the excuse for the unscheduled stop. Naomi shrugs. It happens. Crew has things to do that aren't necessarily the company's business. Flying the company's ship? Another shrug. On time, cargo intact, who cares? Yeah, I can get with that. And I was willing to let that part slide. Right up until I'm told that setting aside a particular container is a routine thing. Something Thomas manages as a special request. Okay. Now we're moving into shaky territory, she agrees. Exactly, so, but this is Art Corp, who cares? Not like the Corp is doing us any favors. True, there's that, I'll give you that. And I nearly let that slide too. It's Art Corp, where fucking the likes of us over is on someone's daily to-do list. You lean forward, more intensity in your voice. But what happens if today of all days, that special delivery gets policed in transit and they track it back to the inspection? The possible ramifications dawn in Naomi's eyes. You'd be fracked as what? You nod in agreement and then some. So at the last second, I called it in. Still don't understand how you ended up fired for it. Her mouth slants down and she has a sour look on her face. It ain't right. I'm okay with how things turned out. In the end, anyway. You explain how Roderick had arrived in a near rage with the team of security. Joey, Roan, and Alia were coming back just as he showed up. Security put all of you in handcuffs and rushed you off the platform. You were frantic, not understanding what the hell was going on. 
When you tried speaking to Roderick, he told you to shut up until you were spoken to. You unconsciously rub your wrists, remembering the handcuffs. It was scary and embarrassing being dragged across Area 18 until we reached the security building. I bet. So what happened then? You continue your tale. You'd each been placed in a separate security holding cell. While you were anxiously waiting to speak to someone, anyone, you saw them marching in Thomas in handcuffs, and then the crew from the Quasar a short while later. But they hadn't been in restraints, and in fact seemed to be talking in a carefree manner with Roderick. That worried you. My stomach hit the floor when I saw Shuzen prancing in all full of confidence and Roderick seeming to eat it up. One by one, you saw your team escorted into what you realized later was an interrogation room. You were the last to be taken in and pushed none too gently into a metal folding chair across from a desk with two people on the opposite side, Roderick and a security officer. You explained what you'd seen and done in painstaking detail. You were questioned about your actions repeatedly. When they'd had enough, Roderick asked the security officer to leave the room. Once it was just the two of you, his face softened. He removed the handcuffs, pulled his chair next to yours, and sat down with a sigh. Rough day, kid, and you done good. A look of extreme confusion covered your face. I... I don't understand what's happening. I haven't done anything wrong. It's okay, kid. It's okay. We've had a drug smuggling problem for quite some time. We could occasionally catch the users, but not break into the syndicate managing the operation, or figure out how the narcs were arriving. Smiling, he said, you just gave us our first big break. He stood up and paced the small room while he talked. I doubt Art Corp would even care if not for the accidents caused by narked up workers. It messes with their safety ratings and slows down production. You nod your head. You'd heard something about this. I'd heard about two guys losing a limb on the large engine assembly line. Scratching your head, you add, and last week, wasn't there a construction worker who dropped a scaffolding down eight stories over there where they're building the new Galleria? Yeah, got the whole project temporarily put on hold until the safety investigation is over. Stuff like that costs the company hundreds of thousands of creds per incident and it's adding up quickly. Oh, is all you can think to say. You're still shaken by what's happened. This whole dragging you all in here is for your own safety. We think the group working out of here is rather sophisticated and we're after the big fish. We're going to be able to nail Shuzen, but we need to find who they work for and who else is falsifying inspections. I want to protect you for, so here's what we're going to do. At this point, Roderick sat down next to you again. He dropped the managerial tone and spoke to you like a friend. He explained that he was going to have your inspection findings scrubbed from the record. 
he's going to claim that he and security had come by to do a spot check and found the crate themselves, which by the way, was filled with vials of hallucinogenic narcotics. He's going to say that since it was your first time inspecting a shipment, you were running late and hadn't gotten to validating the offloaded cargo. For your own protection, your team was being given a company paid transfer to another ARC facility with two weeks bonus pay. He's leaving Thomas in place even though they know he's on the smuggler payroll. But now that they know, they can use him to catch the next crew that comes in and then they'll nab him. Wow, uh, okay, but don't you think they'll catch on? They may think something's up the first few months. They'll be bold enough to restart their operation. Plus, now we know what to look for at the other landing zones and can update the security procedures accordingly. What if they don't use Thomas again? Seems like he's gonna get off the hook. We'll be keeping him under close surveillance, Roderick said with a smile. He's not conspiring with them for free, likely used to the extra income. Even if they don't seek him out, he'll no doubt contact them for extra work in due course. You nod your head in agreement. Gotcha. Nervously you ask, What about me? Do I get the two weeks bonus and transfer option? Your guts twist. You want off this rock, but if it just means dropping you on another where you have to start over, that's not sounding so great. At least here you have a couple of friends and Naomi. The idea of slugging it out alone, again, is depressing. No, I have something different for you in mind. You stop for a moment to gauge Naomi's reaction. Her mouth is gaped open, her neck craned forward in rapt attention. You wonder if she'd miss you as much as you'd miss her. She has such an easy way about her, makes friends easily, always liked and well-respected. You, on the other hand, not so much. You're private, quiet, and often prefer the company of the ideas spinning around in your own head than conversing with others. You keep the friends you gain, but you don't gain new ones very often, which is by choice. You miss home, your friends off at university, and now you'll miss the few that you've made here too. You sigh. Naomi kicks your foot under the table over your sudden silence. No stopping now, she exclaims. What's the plan for you? He's worried that the cartel would come around asking me questions and might not be that nice about asking them. They just lost a lot of credits having that crate confiscated. Yeah, those goons outside your door. Exactly. So I have to get gone too, but with a different kind of bonus. Her eyes widen in surprise, seeing the smile on your face. How much? She says in a near shout. Shh! Noticing that the couple at the table next to you glance in your direction. You pull your cap down lower over your face. Oops, sorry. She giggles, and her excitement is infectious. You'd been trying not to be too excited, lest the rug get pulled out from under your feet. And you'd miss Naomi, unless... 
who lean across the table toward her and show her your UEC balance on your Moby. She gasps in surprise, her eyes growing wide. Now you're smiling too and giggling like a child. Whispering, she says, that's leave for good money. In awe, she adds, start over money. Wow, like wow. Or ship money for two? You let the question hang in the air. Naomi's eyes bug out and her eyebrows arch up to her hairline. Me? You take me? Of course. I wouldn't leave you behind. You've been a good friend to me. What would we do? Where would we go? What do you want to do? We can decide together. Your stomach twists, waiting for an answer. You want her to come, to help her out of this place. But you also have selfish reasons too. You don't want to go back out into the black alone. You have more advanced skills than Naomi, but she's got the life experiences. In your mind, it would be a perfect mix. Naomi flops back into the booth. I need a drink and you're buying, she says with a smile. Holy shit. She sounds happy. Does that mean she's coming? That mean you're in, you ask outright? Oh yeah, I'm in. She nods her head several times for emphasis. Relief washes over you. Ever been to Terra? It's the most expensive ticket out of here, but lots of resources to figure out what you want to do next. That money won't get you set up in a place like Terra, but it will get you all the supplies you need for whatever. You correct her, the supplies we need. The idea of it makes you giddy and lightheaded. Yeah, what we need, she laughs. Holy frack, I can't even, like, holy shit. We're out of here. That wraps up another episode of the Star Citizen Night Bus. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, please consider subscribing to my channel and giving this episode a thumbs up. For more game commentary, lore, reviews, and other Star Citizen coverage, including a mobile-friendly, easier-to-read version of the official ARC Star Map, please visit alicianasworld.com. Be sure to register on Ally's World for an exclusive monthly newsletter. You can also support my videos, alicianasworld.com, and my Star Citizen fiction efforts through my Patreon. A big thank you to my current subscribers. Your sponsorship is greatly appreciated. If you haven't created an account yet on robertspaceindustries.com, you can earn 5k in-game currency when the game goes live by using my referral code. When you do, I'll also earn some in-game goodies. You'll find my referral code in the show notes. This is Aliciana signing off until next time. Be kind and fly safe. The night bus has arrived. Please watch your step while departing. Re-entering stasis in three, two, one.